Welcome to Parent Q Live, brought to you from the team at Parent Q. Hey, 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 friends and familia. Welcome back to another episode of Parent Q Live. So glad that you guys have joined us again. Your host, one of them, one half, Carlos Enrique with Guzman and Chibor Cabello, or Liz for short, hanging out with my co-host, Kristen Ivy. Kristen Ivy. How are things, friend? Things are good. We're getting ready for the holiday season. Ho, ho, ho. Things are about to happen. We are getting ready for the holiday season. Do you listen to Christmas music pre-Thanksgiving? Or do you do you wait? I wait. Yeah. Do you really? Yeah, what I know. Is what is it about that? Like, why does it make you feel yucky? No, I don't even know why. I don't even have a big philosophy behind it. But something about December 1st is when I just like okay. to be able to bring on Christmas, which I know puts me basically at odds with all the rest of the United States. Because yeah. everybody else that I know has started Christmas way, well before oh, yeah, December. Way. I mean, I'm listening to Amy Grant Christmas like October 31st and a half. Like it is like game on i mean i have no theological philosophical (laughs) reason behind it i just december 1st is when it kicks in for me i don't know that's that's fair that's fair um speaking of december and speaking of the holidays uh it is holidays are a great time for family and memories and all kinds of things that are happening especially you know i think of it as a time for love is a time for are they though for me they are are they not for you do we need to have do we need to call your husband (laughs) we need to have a little bit of marriage therapy (laughs) I, there is something about the holiday season, though, that can be stressful. If you're trying to balance oh, yeah. a budget, you're trying to figure out how to meet all of your kids' hopes and dreams for their expectations yeah. on the holiday. Maybe you're running around, getting all the shopping done, wrapping all the presents, making sure that you still do whatever family traditions that you have. It just sometimes can have an added element of stress. It can. It can. And what's good about that, if in any way you're married, somebody can help you take that stress off. And so... One thing that we have asked you guys is a simple question. And I I think it leans into this conversation a little bit. What is the best thing that your spouse has done for you during the holiday season? And this is what you guys had to say. One of the best things my spouse does for me every year at Christmas is sometime in the weeks leading up, she helps us clear out our schedule. And we take a couple of days and just kind of get away, just the two of us. And it's so much fun. We just enjoy each other. We celebrate Christmas like we did when we very first got married. And we've been doing that probably for the last 10 years. And it's one of the things that I just look forward to every year. One of the things my husband has done that helps me enjoy Christmas the most is he'll ask me the question, what are you looking forward to this Christmas? And it gives me the headspace and the heart space to take just a few minutes to be present in the season, it gets so busy sometimes that you forget that Christmas is wonderful and magical and fun. And just taking a few minutes to look forward to what I'm looking forward to most is so helpful. One of the things my wife does for me over the holidays is allow me to do the thing uh, that I love to do, which is to run. So every Thanksgiving morning, I, I run a half marathon. Uh, but please don't hate me for that. I'm not fast and afterwards I feel like I've been hit by a truck. But the point is that while I'm running, her morning is full of dealing with three kids and making three side dishes so that we make it to my parents' house on time for lunch. And not only does she not make me feel guilty about it, she celebrates it. She even got me one of those 13.1 stickers to put on the back of my car. She's the best. I don't know, I feel like sometimes 
one of the best things we can do for our marriage is give our spouse a little time to do things that they love. And my wife is really good about that. Such great responses. This is a season when it's easy for us to get caught up in our parenting and also forget to really focus on maybe the other person in your world who's supporting you not only as a parent, but who's your spouse. That's what I love about the conversation we get to have today with Mike Foster. Now, Mike Foster is an author, speaker, executive counselor. People kind of describe Mike as a little bit like a Mr. Rogers, maybe for adults. If you follow Mike Foster, and you should, you'll just know that he has a unique ability to speak to us as adults, to remind us of how to prioritize our thoughts and the way that we view life in just kind of a very real and practical sense. Now, Mike's work has been featured on Fox, ABC, New York Times. He's also the host of the Fun Therapy Podcast, and he lives in San Diego. He and his wife actually wrote a book that helps us with our relationships and with our marriages in a way that is so fun. I love the tagline to his book where he says, don't work on your problems, but work on your togetherness. What would it look like to work on our relationship with our spouse during the holiday season where things can be a little bit stressful? I know I can't wait to hear this conversation that Carlos got to have with Mike Foster. So here we go. Both my wife and I, Jennifer, I think what for us, there's a couple things that were going on. Number one, we were bumping into a lot of our own friendships and relationships and people that we loved and cared about who are really struggling in their marriages. And a lot of, a lot of these marriages and these friends that we had, uh, they had been together for 20 plus years. And then all of a sudden uh, they were in crisis mode and they're getting divorced and marriage is coming to an end. And a lot of these were uh, couples who were, their kids were transitioning from high school into college and kind of leaving and going away to college. And what they were experiencing was that they hadn't worked on their own relationship over the years. They had worked and invested so much into raising their kids that they forgot to actually make a, uh, methodical strategic investments in their marriage and so it they ended up you know the kids leave and they realize that they're there's two strangers living in the same house together now and um, so that was certainly a, a big we saw that a lot I think that's happening a lot in our society um, couples struggle marriage is hard relationships are hard the other thing that was big for us in terms of diving into five dates and sort of creating these couples workbooks and making them super fun and easy and accessible was our biggest fight ever as a couple. And we've been married uh, 23 years. Uh, we've date, we've been dating for 28 years and um, our biggest fight happened at a marriage retreat. And I think <laughs> what happened for us, like, and I wish that was a joke, but it's like, it's really true. Like yeah. horrible, horrible fight. And I think what happened was that they were talking about a lot of idealistic ideas of where our marriage was supposed to be and what it was supposed to look like. And they were, I just call it, they were doing trigonometry and algebra. And my wife and I were like, we just, we're trying to learn addition and subtraction right yeah. now. And so we wanted to create a resource for parents and couples where um, it was easy. It set them up to win. It created, you know, our big, kind of focus is don't work on your problems, work on your togetherness. And uh, you know, we want to empower couples to 
just take micro steps, create micro habits and micro changes instead of trying to solve these humongous issues or get triggered into like, hey, we're going to set you up to have the biggest fight ever in your relationship <laughs> if you go through a book. You know, like we don't want to do that. Yeah. I love the subtitle, honestly. Don't work on your problems, work on your togetherness because there are times when, especially with uh, young kids, we have kids who are nine, seven, and three, and it's just exhausting in general season of life. And the last thing that we have the energy for at the end of the day is to go, okay, now let's take this huge problem that we're dealing with and dissect right. it and figure out whose fault it is. And uh, it's just not very practical. No. And, and the other thing, the research, all the research points to that successful long-term couples have ongoing chronic problems. Like problems are a part of the, the, of the marriage narrative. It, it, it's like our goal is not to eliminate all problems. Mm. Our goal is to help create connection, togetherness. And if we have that at the, the foundation of our marriage and we have love for each other and we are doing some basic practices and habits together that we can tackle and, and navigate any problem. But, but the reality is we're never, we're always going to have problems with us mm -hmm. and we're always going to have there in, in research shows like chronic problems, ongoing problems that you could have for the next 20 years. Mm -hmm. And yet you can still have a successful relationship and not have that problem undermine um, your future. So let's talk about a couple of things that I know get in the way. How do you work on togetherness when there's just not a lot of time? Well, I think you nailed it. I think what the biggest problem and the biggest enemy of our marriages and our relationships is the busyness and pace of life. And so we have to be super intentional about being present with our spouse, showing up with our spouse. And it's like, it's, it's why the structure of five dates is the way it is. Because basically what we're saying is find a strategic time together that works for you and your schedules as you're running the kids to soccer practice, as you're, you know, working 10 hour days at the, at the job, what, you know, like all the things that are going on in a couple's life are saying, can you carve out 20, you kind of bare minimum, like 20 minutes a week where you can just be a couple and say, and we actually teach you how to do that in the workbooks, like how to be present, what to talk about. Um, how to guide that conversation so it's as productive and um, helpful as possible. But it is like our schedules are nuts. They're crazy. And, and so we're, we're really struggling to find that intentional time together. Mm -hmm. and, and if you want, if you want a healthy relationship, if you want your relationship to be sustainable, you, you have to water it. You have to feed it. And even if it's just little, like even it's just a granola bar, like it's, it's better than nothing. And so we're just saying, find, find some space in your schedule to where you can connect with your spouse. How have you seen couples work on their togetherness when maybe it's a second or third marriage or a relationship where there are just uh, additional layers maybe of complexity or also, you know, co-parenting with a with an ex that's not present, but you're working on your relationship with um, a spouse that you're now married to. 
how have you seen those couples, you know, fighting for their togetherness or are there best practices there? Yeah, well, I mean, best practices is what I'm all about because like our, our goal with these workbooks is to activate you, like show you how to do this. Um, but in a simple, easy way, like one of the things that, that, that our workbooks are not, they're not filled with a bunch of words. They're actually short, pithy uh, uh, ideas, concepts to help you move forward and help, actually help you activate these, these concepts in your life. And one of the concepts we talk about that I think is probably the most helpful thing, especially in a busy, fast-paced, complex world that we live in, is helping couples be present with each other. Um, it's it's the, the gift of being present. We, we call it, we refer to it as relational nowness, like the idea of being in the now with your spouse. And, and it really consists of three, three things um, uh, in terms of, of the relational nowness. And it's, I see you, it means we're looking at e- our spouse in the eyes, we're looking at each other. Um, by the way, that the idea of eye contact in our society is it's a lost art. It's a it's something that for most people are uncomfortable with. But if you want to establish intimacy with the person that you're talking with, you must look them in the eye. In fact, they did this really interesting study where they found that if you could look at somebody for four minutes straight, not say anything, no words, no hand gestures, no body movements, like literally just looking somebody in the eyes for four minutes, that creates this deep deep level of connection and intimacy. So mm-hmm. eye contact is important. So I see you. Mm-hmm. Second part of being present is I hear you. You're listening. Um, your active listening means uh, you're, not, you're not listening to respond. You're listening to understand, which is a big difference. Most of us are just kind of wait <laughs> to find listening as I'm just waiting for you to shut up so I can say something, <laughs> you know, in response. Right. Yes. Um, Versus I'm listening to understand, I, I'm hearing the words, I'm hearing the nuances, I'm, I'm really listening to those words. And then the third, third part of being present, and again, so it's I see you, I hear you. And the third part is what you're telling me is important. And that's where we say, like, I may not agree with what you're saying, but, but what you're saying clearly is important and valuable. Hmm. And so... Again, because we, we're going to, whether it's a blended family, um, you know, second, third marriage, what's your first marriage? The idea of you're two human beings with two different points of view. And one of the things that we just struggle with in our society is um, valuing somebody's perspective, yeah. trying to, to put ourselves in their shoes. And so when we, I, when we practice um, this, this idea of relational nowness that we talk about in the book, I see you, I hear you, and what you're telling me is important and it matters. That's how you create really this, these, a healthy dialogue for real connection. Hmm. Now, you have kids. How old are your kids? Yes, I do have kids. So I have a 19-year-old son and a 17-year-old daughter. So I have two teenagers living in my house right now. So <laughs> I, need, I need your prayers. I like... <laughs> This is complicated. Yes. <laughs> That's why I didn't write a parenting book because I'm still figuring out parenting. Um, I, I've found it, learned a few things about marriage, but uh, you know, Jen and I are, are we're in the thick of it right now with our kids. 
Now, when this podcast comes out, it's going to be around the Christmas season, which is a really busy season. And also, I know in our house tends to be pretty focused on kids. I mean, you know, there's, there's a lot about Christmas that's about kids. And so how do you maintain working on your togetherness with a spouse in the middle of the holiday season? Yeah, so uh, another uh, date that we send the couples on is this, this date where we, we begin to talk a little bit about our family of origin and the family that we grew up in. And I think especially at the holiday time, it gets very complicated because the way I did things for Christmas may be different than the way Jennifer did things in Christmas. Mm-hmm. And the experiences that I had in terms of what Santa brought or how much Santa, you know, put yeah. stuff in the stocking or traditions or even just having to kind of interface again with, mm-hmm. you know, our own parents and uncles and aunts, like this can create a lot of issues um, <laughs> at this, at this time. Right. And yeah. so part of it, is a couple, again, getting into a conversation and saying, hey, listen, help me understand why you think spending $500 on each kid this Christmas is a must-have, you know, versus my opinion is we're spending $150 on Christmas, <laughs> right? So, yes. and, and it's kind of that basic at some level because, you know, my wife, Jennifer, has a as a has a particular point of view about what Christmas and the holidays should look like. I have a different point of view. Most of that point of view has been established by the families that we've grown up in. So in general, uh, digging below and asking questions of our spouse and not judging, not condemning, not shaming, not shutting them down, but saying like, I always say the most, most, powerful three words that we could say to our spouse are not the words I love you, but the words help me understand. Mm. Now saying I love you is incredibly important, but in terms of creating togetherness and connection and around the holidays, instead of getting into an argument, use the word three words, help me understand. Mm. And that's going to create much more togetherness and connection versus the conflict and sort of the high stress that usually comes in these times of (laughs) this time of year. Absolutely. I mean, layer on the extra stresses of finances can be tricky around this time of year in a kind of different way. Uh, Like you said, I mean, you're going to be maybe traveling to go see family or not traveling and talking with family. There's so many different layers that come, that come in at this season of year. We have no idea how triggered we become at the holidays, like Mm -hmm. the family stuff, the history stuff, the our identity enmeshed in our kids stuff um you know the the real melancholy that sometimes sit and sadness that sits in our our hearts around the holiday times uh, like everything is heightened and so if we could just have much more grace towards our spouse and the, and those around us yeah. um the holidays can be a much better experience it's interesting when you say that we're sometimes more triggered than we realize. It makes me think of this question you're saying, help me understand. Sometimes I know, uh, even in my own marriage, um, you know, me and my husband are wired pretty differently. And sometimes uh, I'm so forthright and direct uh, mm-hmm. that 
it's easy to know that there's an issue, you know, to say, help me understand with that. Uh, whereas he's such a kind person, uh, sometimes he'll be holding something that I have to learn how to say, help me understand what you're not talking about right now. How do you do help me understand when the issues are um, maybe just below the surface? Yeah, well, that is the, um, that's the practice. And that's the, that's the thing that we're trying to help couples get good at is um, becoming less reactive and becoming more reflective. Um, what, what happens for most couples is, you know, a button gets pushed, uh, a, a trigger, a family of origin trigger gets triggered, or they feel shamed, or they feel um, judged, or whatever it might be, or not heard, not seen, okay? And we fall into these kind of roles and, and scripts that are unhelpful. And so if we can reflect on that, like what, helping me understand, like, why am I getting so angry about how much we're spending on the kids. Mm. Well, it probably has nothing to do with my spouse or the kids. It has everything to do with, um, am I, I my own value? And probably it's triggering things like, um, this, am I making enough money? Mm. Am I providing enough mm. for this family? You know, um, it, it, it speaks to, um, something much deeper within us. And the only way that we're going to get to those conversations as a couple, and by the way, this is, this, this kind of stuff is like, we're not going to solve all these problems in the five dates workbooks, but I think what, <laughs> what we are helping couples is like realizing that sometimes the conversation that we're having or the conflict that we're having isn't about the obvious uh, conflict point, but there's something below the surface that needs to, to that needs more love that needs more understanding, that needs more listening, active listening. And, and, and sometimes it's just holding space with our, our spouse and just saying, you know, tell me more. Um, I love you. I care about you. Um, I believe in us. I believe in our marriage. I believe that we can work through this, whatever it might be. But, um, you know, too many, too many times we just sort of jump into the obvious or we, we, we start the fight or we, um, withdrawal or we we fall into these old sort of dysfunctional roles and so saying like hey maybe there's something more going on there i always say another great question uh whether it's about my own reactive responses you know when i get triggered or when i see other people getting triggered is asking the question like is isn't that interesting and to become more curious about it versus um judge judgmental about it mm-hmm. How do couples find a good time to have some of these conversations? Each person is wired sometimes so that there's a better time of day. Uh, maybe there's a better part of the rhythm in your family when, okay, now's a better moment. How do you begin to identify best times maybe to have conversations where you're working on your togetherness? Yeah, so one of the things that we, we try to do with the, the workbooks is um, give couples permission to design an experience that works for them. Because here's the reality. My wife and I, uh, we have older kids. We have uh, older teenagers. We don't need to hire a babysitter. We're not, we're not changing diapers right now. We're like, 
we got a lot more freedom and uh, discretionary time than maybe if your kids are younger. The, the thing is you have to, the, what we encourage couples is say, listen, design it in, in a way that, that, that works for you. But the plan of just ignoring it till the kids are older or not investing, and we'll just wait till, uh, you know, the perfect time to, to go out on a date or a getaway weekend. I mean, I, I, I've talked to couples who they are so 24 seven on the kids issue that they've just completely neglected the fact that they have this thing called a marriage. And that's a recipe for disaster because I, in, in Jen and I, we, in our relationship and this, I don't know if this is right or wrong. This is why I haven't written a parent parenting book, but I have, I have literally told my kids when they were younger, I say, kids, by the way, you're not as important as your mother. Um, kids we're leaving you, uh, uh, you're going to have to fend for yourself tonight for dinner. Um, like there's the toaster and some jam and good luck. And, uh, um, you know, like we have to draw boundaries and draw lines to say like, listen, I love, I love my kids and our kids are valuable and they're a gift from God, but so is my marriage. So when we talk about spending time together, I'm not even talking about like 50% kids, 50% you know, working on your marriage, all I'm saying is figure out a, a consistent time. It, could, it may be only 20 to 30 minutes a week where you can sit down and be two adults talking about uh, your relationship, your marriage, um, you know, connecting together, not talking about the kids, right? Not talking mm-hmm. about politics, like literally just, just like, this is our moment to actually have a heart to heart connection and, and, and see where some areas of, of, you know, dreaming together, gratitude, you know, talking about things that you're grateful for being present, just looking each other in the eyes. Like even if you did the four minute, like eye stare challenge, right. Every week, like <laughs> that would be a beautiful thing to get to build into your rhythms. Mm-hmm. But if your rhythm is 100% kids and 0% your relationship, uh, that's a recipe for disaster in my opinion. I like that you said talk about gratitude because I'm so don't talk about the kids, don't talk about politics. What is it that you do talk about? Yeah, well so w- gratitude to me um is such a key thing. So there's two kind of things that we like to talk Jennifer and I like to talk about and and we talk again we write about this in the book in the workbooks is things that we're grateful for and then our goals and our dreams. And uh, it, date five is actually specifically around goals and dreams. And it's like, I, I talk about my goals and dreams. I have Jennifer talk about her goals and dreams. And then we talk about our goals and dreams as a couple. So there's sort of three categories um, that, we, that we discuss. And what I love about that is like, when I get to understand my spouse's um, things that they're thinking about, things that they want, think their needs, their desires. Like it's, it's kind of exciting because I actually am learning something new about them. Mm-hmm. Uh, like one of my, we, we write about this in the, the workbook. Uh, one of Jennifer's dreams was to ride camels on the beach <laughs> in Mexico. 
And I'm like, what? Like, that just (laughs) sounds crazy to me. But that was something that she really wanted to do. And that came out of a conversation that we had as a couple talking about our goals and dreams. And we actually got to do that. And, And here's the thing with goals and dreams. Like, I may not be into that. But Jennifer is. And so as a, as a, as a husband, I'm going to look for ways to support her goals and her dreams. And we're going to try to make that happen. Um, we also have goals and dreams together as a couple. Like one of our goals and dreams is to maybe live in New York City for, for a few months, um, you know, and, and spend the holidays there renting an renting a Airbnb for a few months. Like that's a, a far off goal. And that's something that we'd like to work towards. But, but, to, but to discuss that and to be putting a plan together and, and projecting into the future of what things are going to be for you as a couple and things that you can support each other with, like that's how you create that togetherness and connection. So dreams and goals and then gratitude. Gratitude is saying like, man, the reality is we do have a lot of struggles and problems and, and uh, stress, but let's, let's spend our time together talking about some of the things that we're grateful for and science and research just shows that like there's literally a physiological shift in your body when you start talking about things that you're grateful for. And I think there is a massive shift in your relationship and your marriage when you start talking about things that you're grateful for. Wow. Now that's grateful for each other, grateful for just generic in your lives right now. It doesn't matter what it literally, it could be, it could be small, it could be big, it could be about the marriage, it could be about family, it could be about financial blessings, it could be about opportunities, whatever you're grateful for. Um, and, and here's the reality, like most couples get stuck in sort of these old scripts and old patterns of things like they're great at finding what's wrong, <laughs> right? Yeah. Again, that's why we say don't work on your problems, work on your tears. Mm-hmm. It's easy to point out what's wrong in life. Like it doesn't take a whole lot of talent to point out what's broken. It, 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 but if you can, as a couple, like dig in just a little bit deeper, a little bit more and reach a little bit further, it's like, what are we grateful for? What are the blessings in our life and our marriage right now? It could be very small, but, but to get oriented around that actually helps create a lot of health. I love that. One thing we like to do every week at Parent Q is leave couples, uh, let me say it again. One thing we like to do every week at Parent Q is leave parents with a Q, which is one simple thing that they could do this week that's actionable, that relates to this topic to help them um, with their parenting. But today we're really focusing on your relationship with your spouse uh, while you're parenting because it's such an important thing. And so what would you say uh, is a Q that our listeners could take away this week and do? Okay. So number one, I do love the four minute, I, uh, I, you know, I stare challenge. I really do. I think like <laughs> if you could try that and my, by the way, Jennifer hates doing that. She's like, it, it, it she's very resistant to it, but we, we do it. And it's really, even if you only do it for a couple of minutes, so, but to try that, but another one. And again, this is kind of our, our, how we approach relationships is like, I want to give you something really easy and really practical. And so there's, there's a practice that I call 3.30, and it's simply this. It's three hugs a day for 30 seconds. Wow. Now, here's, here's, here's what's so awesome about that, is that when you, and I'm not even talking about like getting naked and having sex or anything like that, like just three hugs a day. 
for 30 seconds. What that does is in your body and in your brain, like releases all kinds of serotonin that wow. elevates your mood and, and like ph physiologically creates a connection. And I'm all about this idea. Like it's not necessarily about talking. It's not necessarily mm -hmm. about words. There's some really simple things that we can do to build connections. So try the 330, like three hugs a day for 30 seconds. And, um, you know, you'll love it. I, and it's really <laughs> fun. And you're like, hey, it's time for the 330. Let's do it. And, and we just, yeah. we just cuddle, cuddle in the kitchen. You know, it's like we're hugging there and, and that's it. And uh, it's not complicated. It's not hard. And uh, everybody can do it. Super practical, only takes you 30 seconds. So let's be honest, we all have 30 seconds. We do, uh, we absolutely do. <laughs> <laughs> this is a great conversation. Thank you so much for being with us and talking about this today. It's been my pleasure, thank you so much. There is no way that you guys can listen to that conversation with Kristen and with Mike and not be like, how can I be Mike's best friend? Mike, thank you so much for that incredible conversation. And the cue, the, the cue that I love, Mike, you said that your wife doesn't always love this cue, but it is so essential uh, as far as just connecting. And you guys know what I'm talking about. Just a few minutes ago, Mike talked about the four minute eye stare challenge with your spouse. What can you guys do to make that happen this week? And then also three hugs a day for 30 seconds. Just three hugs a day for 30 seconds. These are such small, tiny little cues that can really take your relationship to, to a, a level that you didn't even know was possible, especially in this crazy Christmas season. One thing that we wanna do guys is give away Mike's book, five dates. Um, again, it's a his and a her workbook bundle to help you connect with your partner. So head over to theparentq.org slash episode 95 and you guys can enter to win Mike's five dates workbook bundle. We're going to be giving that away. Friends, there's also a recap for this entire episode and you can follow Mike and all those things if you head over to that same episode webpage as well. Listen, guys, we're going to be taking a small break during the holidays. So relax, enjoy, stare your spouse in the eyes. And really, we're just praying that you guys have an incredible family connecting holiday season. Um, if you have enjoyed listening to the Parent Q podcast, guys, please rate us, rank us, leave us reviews, all of the things and all the places that you listen to podcasts. It really, really does help us. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen so we can end up in your podcast app when the new year starts. We've got all kinds of incredible content coming for you guys in 2019. Did I just say 2019? I think I did. 2019. Oh my gosh. I can't believe that is upon us. Merry Christmas. Ho, ho, ho from Kristen. Carlos and the entire Parent Q Live team. See you next year. <laughs>